You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. Welcome back to the show. I am very excited. I have an amazing guest today, Katie DePaula. She is the founder and CEO of Inner Glow Circle, a company that trains clients to become an accredited life coach and teaches them how to build amazing businesses. And Katie has such an interesting story of how she started Inner Glow Circle. She got the inspiration from a spray tanning business she was running. And it transformed into life coaching. And we talk about life coaching, what that really means, and also helpful business practices for coaches. But she also has a really incredible story of overcoming Lyme disease. And she discusses her battle with that over the years and how she finally healed. And we talk about the more intuitive side of that. And she also has a really inspiring story of getting out of a very toxic relationship and overcoming other traumas in her life to building the incredible business that she has today. So I am very excited for you to hear this conversation. Katie is awesome, super down to earth, and I had so much fun chatting with her. So that is what we are going to be chatting about today. And I also have a really exciting announcement. Today, enrollment opens for the next round of No Bullshit Business School. If you're not familiar with No BS Biz School, it is my signature group coaching program. If you are a coach, a health coach, a nutritionist, a trainer, an energy healer, an intuitive, and you're looking to build a business, an online business through Instagram, no paid ads, and learn how to build your practice up, one-on-one practice moving into scaling that business, then this program is for you. I teach you all the ins and outs of marketing, building your business, and also coaching, which is often left out of many programs. So I talk about all things, how to be an effective coach plus brain rewiring techniques, manifestation techniques, all of the energetic shifts that have allowed me to build my business. This is a three-month program. It is a very intensive program. You learn a ton. You learn almost five to 10 years worth of business coaching in three months, and it will completely transform your life on so many levels. You'll have weekly training modules, plus live Q&A calls with me, a library of guest interviews, the community forum with the other incredible women in the program, a personalized intuitive energy healing session with me as well to remove any abundance blocks, and the roadmap to build a six-figure business and beyond. The women in this program have gotten incredible results. I am so incredibly proud of them. We are like a family in there, and I am so excited to welcome in a new group of incredible women. There are limited spaces available, so I recommend applying sooner rather than later so you can hop on a call and learn more about it. The program will officially start on October 5th, and we will 
wrap up enrollment in mid to late September or whenever spots fill up. And if you have that little nudge inside your body and you're like, I'm really curious about this, hop on a call, learn more about it. I have such a passion for helping women achieve their business goals and doing it in a way that does not burn them out or put them back into adrenal fatigue. So if you love all things kick-ass strategy plus mastering the energetics and manifestation side of business, then definitely check out No BS Biz School. You can head to christinaricewellness.com and click that business tab at the top to learn more and apply. Again, that's christinaricewellness.com and click the business tab at the top. And that is where you will get all of the information about the program. And I also want to remind you for all of you who love all the woo-woo, all the wellness and the woo-woo. Enrollment for my up-level membership is closing August 17th. So you have just a couple weeks left to sign up before I close doors. You'll get access to our live Q&A calls, our manifestation parties, activation ceremonies, all of my channeled messages and intuitive tips, as well as all things health and wellness, plus the group community. The women in there are incredible and we would love to have you join the fam. And that is all found at christinaricewellness.com slash membership. Again, it's a monthly membership that you can cancel anytime, but doors are only going to be open for a couple more weeks until August 17th. So hop on that now. I think that about does it for my weekly updates. So without further ado, let's hop into this episode with Katie DePaola. There are a few key supplements I wholeheartedly believe everyone should have in their routine. And one of those is a high quality probiotic. There are so many probiotics out there on the market. And unfortunately, most of them are not real probiotics. They're usually not doing anything for you or it could be making things worse. So if you are wondering what my favorite probiotic is and the one that I recommend to friends, family, and clients, that would be Just Thrive Probiotic and Antioxidant. Just Thrive is a spore probiotic formula made of four bacillus strains. And this formula survives the harsh gastric environment of the stomach, arriving 100% alive to the intestines, unlike most other probiotics out there on the market. Bacillus endospores are like gut police, and they arrive totally alive to the intestines where they read the microbiome and they have the ability to eliminate pathogens and toxins there, while also producing compounds and nutrients that help grow our good gut bacteria. Just Thrive Probiotic supports metabolic reconditioning with a 40 plus percent increase in short chain fatty acid production, which means less fat storage, higher fat burn, improved insulin sensitivity, improved satiety, and reduced gut and systemic inflammation. The strains in Just Thrive modulate the immune system and act like a tutor for your immune system to detect and attack pathogens and toxins in the body. With over 80% of our immune system found in the gut, Just Thrive is crucial for maintaining optimal health, especially at this time. Plus, Just Thrive has been shown in human clinical trials to start curing leaky gut in as little as 30 days. And leaky gut is the root cause of most major chronic illnesses in the Western world, like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune disease, dementia, and more. So if you struggle with poor digestion, seasonal allergies, joint pain, depression, anxiety, stubborn weight gain, or you are just looking to boost your overall health, then definitely check out Just Thrive. You can head to bit.ly slash Just Thrive Christina and use my code Christina15 for 15% off. Again, that's bit.ly slash Just Thrive Christina and use my code Christina15, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A 
for 15% off. Give it at least 30 days and you'll notice a huge improvement. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I have been so excited to chat with you. And to start off, can you just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, totally. So I run a company called Inner Glow Circle and we help women become life coaches and become better life coaches. So we're all about um, training women how to have, you know, businesses that serve other people. Mm-hmm. And when you say become better life coaches, what do you mean? Well, coaching, as you know, is like a really um, interesting industry and it's completely unregulated, meaning that you can call yourself a coach without having any training at all. And a lot of people do that. And, you know, we're a training organization. We're accredited by the International Coach Federation, the ICF. And it's funny because when I first became a coach and went through training, like, I was like, oh, the program that I went through was ICF accredited, but I was like, oh, I don't need to take that extra step. I don't need to um, get a credential. I'm just good at business. And I thought that because I was good at business and marketing and had a little bit of background in PR that I like could do it myself and and didn't need um, that backing or that like extra like stamp of approval or credential or certificate. But what happened was that as we grew IGC, more and more people started to ask us if we were accredited by the International Coach Federation. They were looking for an accredited coach training company. And, you know, it's just one of those things as a business owner that when enough of your customers ask for something or potential customers, you have to look into creating it. So in 2017, we started the business in 2015. In 2017, we decided to go through the process of getting accredited. And it was a lot of work. You know, it it required some updates to our curriculum. It required us to operate a little bit differently. We have to like hire internally now. We have to hire graduates of our own programs. Um, so it created some uh, kind of structural boundaries and guidelines. But what we found was like it was actually incredibly helpful and shifted our business and, and grew our business um, in terms of our bottom line too. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm more in like the health coaching space versus life coaching, but coaching, 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 right? Um, A lot of people are looking into different programs. And what would you say to somebody who is, who's looking into different programs? Like how do they figure out what is the right fit for them? I think you have to think about what your values are and what's important to you. And across the board, I think you need to make sure that the program has a big focus on business and like actually launching you're, you know, uh, actually launching like how to not only be the best coach you can be and the art of coaching and understanding how to work with clients when they're committing to certain things, but then not following through. And like, there's all these really nuancey things about coaching mm-hmm. that if you just take a seminar or if you take a lot of the courses out there, they're not going to teach you how to navigate. And so we often have people that have gone through other coaching programs come to our program because it's more advanced and because it's like a higher level program that you can, you know, you can also do as your first program. Um, so you have to have, you know, a a program that really addresses the nuances of coaching, but then you also need a program that addresses the business aspect and the business aspect isn't just about getting up a website or, um, you know, creating email funnels. It's like really about how to build relationships and 
how to sell. And I think that that's one of the biggest gaps that I see, especially right now. People are so overwhelmed with like, how do I sell in the current climate? You know, we're in the middle of a health crisis and then a human rights crisis and people feel bad for selling and they feel like, you know, it's not going to be well received. And so then they just freeze and do nothing. And like, that doesn't create a business. So you have to know how to navigate challenging times and still show up and sell and, and be of service to people and feel really confident offering what you're offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, that is definitely a huge gap in all coaching programs is I, I feel like no one actually teaches you how to coach. Like no one actually even covers that from the programs I've been in. And the, like my clients who tell me that like, no one even talks to me about how to coach. And then the business portion, I think a lot of programs have a business portion, but it's just totally half-assed. It's just like, yeah, get your website up and like, you know, charge this much for an hour and just tell people about it. And I'm like, that's, it's not like that. <laughs> like, um, right. so no, I definitely hear, I definitely hear those, um, those gaps. And I, I see the same thing. And I think that's why a lot of people are, are struggling with it. And, and then when you get into the business world, there's so much conflicting, conflicting advice, um, around how to actually grow the business. And something I actually, I wanted to ask you about was, you know, with life coaching, um, do you ever find that your, the people who go through your program are like nervous about like being a life coach? Because I have some clients who are incredible life coaches and they're just like, I don't want to call myself a life coach. Yeah. I think there's still some like stereotypes and judgments around the word. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, we've had like therapists and social workers go through our program too, to like get additional training because therapy isn't coaching. Mm -hmm. And just because you're trained as a therapist does not mean that you're trained as a coach. It really is a different skill set, And we teach a specific type of coaching called ontological coaching, which is looking at your being and how you're showing up in the world and asking powerful questions. Most coaches and a lot of therapists too will stop at like, um, well, how is that showing up for you? You know, they'll just ask these really basic questions like, or say like, tell me more, you know, well, how do you feel about that? And it's like, it's just not enough. You know, I mean, we really look at like, what is your relationship? So I had a client the other day who had gone through, has gone through our coach training program and she went through our graduate program because we have a second tier program and she's been with us for years now. And, and I am privately working with her. And, and so um, she came to me saying like, she wants to talk about Facebook and like her resistance around using Facebook for marketing. She's like, I feel like I need to use it, but I like hate it. And I was like, okay, well, what's your, like, what's your relationship to Facebook? So we do relationship-based coaching. So the, the theory that we operate with is like, we have relationships to everything, not just people, but like everything. So I said to her, and it's, it's funny coaching your graduates because like they know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. But I said to her, I was like, I'm going to ask you these questions that you already, you know, know. Um, but like, what is your relationship to Facebook? Like if Facebook was a person, mm-hmm. tell me what your relationship would be like. And, and, and it, it created this level of clarity because look, a lot of us are like, we get into the entrepreneurial world and or the coaching world and or the personal brand influencer world. 
and we're bombarded. Like we, we start that initial training or we hire that first coach and then we like this thing on Facebook and this thing on Instagram. And then all of a sudden, like you're like sucked into this world where you're always being marketed to, you're always being talked at, you're always being told what you should be doing. And it's extremely overwhelming and you don't know where to start. And like this person's offering, you know, uh, marketing coaching and talking about funnels. And then this person is saying like, no, it's your relationship with your body that's impacting your visibility. And that's the thing. And so like, you know, you'll have, it's so funny to me because I, I've been in a lot of high level masterminds myself. And then I have a lot of like students and, and peers who have done really well. And then like, I'm always succeeding, you know, graduates succeeding and, um, kind of understanding the inner workings of things. And then I see people struggling and floundering and I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, well, I have this coach and I have this coach and I have this coach. And people will be like, whatever money they're making, they're spending, you know, to have this coach and this coach and this coach and this program. And I'm in this course. And it's so crazy to me because to me, it was always so simple. Mm -hmm. Like I just would get another client. I would have, I would tell my rule was this. I would tell one new person every day what I did, that I was a coach, that this was a new thing I was starting. And I would get on the phone and have consultations with people. And really quickly, I brought, I built my private practice. It wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hard, but I, I didn't, I didn't waste any time doing like funnels or I didn't even have a separate website set up. I just used the website that I already had. So I think that like, I was really naive when I started and I just went to the basics because all I knew was the basics. And I think that that's the mistake that people make now is that they're just so overwhelmed with all the things and all the options and all the different ways to get clients. And is it Instagram or is it Facebook? Should I have a Facebook group? What about a YouTube channel? And like, we miss the whole uh, experience of just like actually connecting with people and building relationships and getting referrals. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be so hard. Yeah. I just had this, this conversation with a client yesterday and I'm like, who, what, like who told you it has to be hard to get clients? Like you're always going to have problems in business. Like it's just like new problems come up. It's, we get to solve different problems. I think that's the fun part. Right. But like, I think people have it in their heads that it has to be difficult to get clients when they're starting off. And that's just a story they created. And then when they believe that, they make it harder for themselves. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about like what got you into this whole space with coaching. I had hired a few coaches myself. I had hired a health coach and I had hired a business coach and they just seemed to love it. And I thought that, you know, I, I felt naturally like gravitated towards it. I also, my first business ever was an organic spray tanning business. And the real story is that I, I had opened up a studio, like part of my apartment at the time was a a spray tanning studio. And I would have naked women coming in and out of my apartment because it was mostly women getting spray tans. And, um, they started to really open up to me. Like I'd have these 20 minute appointments with people and we would just dig in so fast. And I started to actually be worried 
that I wasn't educated enough or that I didn't have some sort of credential or certification or graduate degree to be able to counsel people. And I noticed there was like this huge connection between inner and outer beauty and how women looked and how they felt about themselves. And just through my experience spray tanning people, I realized like, oh, I must have some gift if people are opening up to me this much. And so I did it to protect myself, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like it was that mix of, okay, I love spray tanning. This is a way out of my full-time job. Um, and I see a path of me becoming an entrepreneur. But, you know, there's this other piece here that's kind of pulling at my heartstrings. My favorite part of spray tanning people was talking to them. Like it was the conversations that we were having. And so I, I had to pay attention to that and I wanted to be more legit. So mm-hmm. I went through training. Tell me more about when you were saying like the connections you were seeing between the way people looked and how they felt about themselves. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, so like I, when someone came in for a spray tan, I would always ask them like, what are you spraying for? Like, it's it just for fun. Do you have like a date? Like I just was trying to make conversation and like get people to like me. So they'd come back for another spray tan because like if you're doing airbrush spray tanning, you're totally naked. So it's really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make people feel comfortable. And what I noticed was like, oh, I have a date this weekend quickly parlayed into, um, this is my first date after getting divorced. And I'm so, I, I feel so insecure and I just want to look good. And I just want to feel good. And if I can just feel sexy and spray tanning makes me feel sexy, then like, I'll just, I'll feel totally different. And it was like this massive shift that like they were, they were coming for a spray tan, but not like for the tan. They were coming because of what they, what they thought the tan would make them feel what they hoped. And I think a lot of us, I mean, you work in, in the wellness world. Like I think when it comes to health and wellness, but also if we couple like beauty in there, that so much of what we do and what we invest in as women is because we want to feel a certain way. And everybody was just looking to feel better, mm-hmm. feel better about their bodies, feel better about themselves. And yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of, inter- I mean, did it help them feel better? Yeah, because they kept coming back. Yeah, they kept coming back, right? <laughs> so yeah. they, they needed the spray tan to feel better. Right. <laughs> um, and I think it's also like when you're saying how, I mean, it's very vulnerable, right? And like how we have those deeper conversations. It's like there's something about opening up that vulnerability in whatever way, way that comes. Like for you, it was the spray tans, right? Where people finally feel like they have open space to to say what they need to say, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. People would always tell me like, um, I've never told anybody this, or I just really like talking to you. And they were like these little 20 minute appointments that maybe would run over into 30 minutes if I didn't have a client right after. And I just started to realize like, wow, people are really craving connection. Mm -hmm. People are really craving like real conversation. Like how can I help support this? How can I help people find more meaning in, in their lives? Because they were coming for a spray tan, but they were really looking for like answers. 
yeah. and a larger breakthrough in their lives. Yeah. And going off of that, can you circle back to like, maybe explain to people, what is the difference between therapy and coaching? Yeah. So the paths to get there are very different. In order to become a therapist, you have to go to back to school in a more traditional sense mm -hmm. and you have to get licensed and you have to stay licensed, right? Um, coaching is a lot more accessible. You can go through a coach training certification program or go through a program to become a life coach or become a business coach or become a health coach. Some programs are more niched than others. Um, we teach people how to coach anyone around anything. So if you have a specialty, like a, an area of interest, like health, but, um, you know, or marketing or relationships or parenting, you can couple that with, with the training that, that we do, but there's different paths to get there. Um, and then the experience itself as like to being on the receiving end, like if you're the, the consumer, therapy is much more based on the past and what happened. And it's much more clinical where you might be getting a diagnosis um, or, you know, uncovering like deeper mental health issues. Um, and it's not to say that coaching can't touch those things. Coaching can touch those things. but by definition, coaching is much more based on the future that you want to create. And you're, the way that coaching works, the way that it's designed is that you are meant to uh, kind of forecast and envision where you want to go and then work with your coach to create a path to get there. Hmm. So it's less about the past or what happened and more about okay, what are we going to do now? What do I actually want to create even though I've had all these circumstances? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think that puts it, puts it very well. And for you hiring your first health coach, was that because of like your, your health struggles, like with the Lyme disease? Yeah. So I didn't know I had Lyme at the time, mm -hmm. but I knew that something wasn't right in my body. And I had been to doctor after doctor after doctor, it ended up being over 30 doctors who told me they didn't know what was wrong with me. And they thought it was just anxiety or depression. Maybe I was dehydrated, needed to work less, but it didn't matter what I did in terms of self-care or well, you know, wellness. I, I just didn't feel right. I knew something was wrong on a deeper level. So in my experience of, of looking for alternative methods to get to the core of what was going on with me, I started to get more and more interested in health and just realize like, okay, when I don't eat gluten, I feel better. A lot of my symptoms go away. I wasn't sure why at the time, but I started like just making little changes and reading books and then you know how it is. You get to a certain point where like, you're not sure if you can get yourself any farther without actually speaking with another human who can kind of look at your case and look at your situation. So when I kind of ran out of books, not that you can ever really run out of books, but like felt like I had reached my own peak of self, you know, uh, troubleshooting it on my own. I found a coach too work with me. Yeah. Well, tell me more about what symptoms you were struggling with. 
Oh God. Um, so many, I mean, the biggest thing was brain fog. Like I, uh, eventually my doctors told me that I had, I had, uh, brain damage from the Lyme because it had crossed the blood brain barrier and had become neurological. So it had impacted my brain. And they said that, you know, it was something that I could potentially heal, but that, that it was going to take a lot of, um, time and focus and, and healing. So brain fog, uh, confusion, like I could not, there were, it, it, there were times where it was worse and there were times where it was better, but when it was really bad, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to remember a conversation I had had like with my mom earlier in the day. I would know I talked to her, but I wouldn't remember like any details. And it's hard because, you know, the people around me were just like frustrated. Like they just thought I wasn't paying attention. And when it got, when it hit its rock bottom, I lost feeling in half my body. And like, I started to lose my motor function. So I would like pick up a mug. We were out to dinner one time and I picked out, picked up a mug of tea and like it literally just slipped through my hands and spilled all over me. And like, you know, I would, I'd be in the kitchen and I'd grab for a glass and it just would slip through my hands and like shatter on the floor. And when, you know, look, this kind of stuff happens, like, I don't know, once every couple of years, like you don't just like drop glasses or drop a, a, you know, a hot thing of water on yourself. And I think Look, they call them invisible illnesses for a reason. I mean, we have a big chronic illness community inside of IGC because coaching is something that you can do from your home, from your bed, from your couch. You can do it when you're healthy. You can do it when you're sick. Like, you don't need to be able to go to an office every day. And it's a really great alternative for people who still want to work, still want to find purpose in their life, but don't like want to work in a traditional sense, whether that's because of an illness or just having kids or they're just like over it, you know, they're just like over the nine to five world. But in, in the chronic illness community that we serve, you know, a lot of people, uh, will have, have stories of like the people closest to them, like not believing them. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like this weird, almost gaslighting where like you could go from doctor to doctor and have them say, nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. And sometimes it's not their fault. Like they just aren't seeing anything on the blood work and, you know, not every doctor digs deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How old were you when you were like, when the symptoms started getting bad, like noticeable? In my early twenties. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it impacts your life in so, in so many ways. And I know for, for me, like it wasn't even just all the doctors saying there's nothing wrong. It was like, you're lying. You're lying about what, and for a doctor to tell me I'm lying, like really pissed me off, honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and I totally feel you on like how that impacts other relationships. Like I, yeah. I felt like the people in my life, because my doctors were saying I was lying, they didn't know if I was lying or if I was telling the truth. I felt like I couldn't be social really. I mean, when you're in your early twenties, right. It affects your relationships too. Um, and so that probably, you know, how, how that affects like your friendships and romantic relationships at that time. Oh my God. It's, it's crazy. I mean, 
to be honest, like I, I still have like PTSD from that period of my life. Like I was sick for over 10 years. How long? And, and didn't know it. What about you? Um, I mean, I would say probably like five years where it was yeah. like really bad. Yeah. But so it's, it's, it's yeah. so hard. It's mm-hmm. so hard. And you know, like, um, so I'm Lyme free now. I don't have Lyme disease anymore. I found a doctor who could cure me and I did these like intense IV treatments that are like sort of, um, the protocol is from Germany and it was really a miracle that I was able to get this treatment. If I was told by so many people that it would never go away, that I would never be fully healthy. And, and I still feel like I'm recovering. Mm-hmm. I think being sick for a long time like impacts you mentally. I feel physically so much better. I was just telling one of my uh one of the women that I work with like I've been playing tennis again. I played tennis all throughout high school competitively. And then when I got to college cuz I got bit right before I went to college, got bit by a tick for those of you guys who don't know where Lyme disease that little devil comes from. But um but you know, but once I was in college God, like just my activity went way down. Mm -hmm. And you also self-judge, right? Like I also was like, Katie, what the F is wrong with you? Like I couldn't party like other people partied. I was in a sorority, but like I would go through phases where I was like more involved and then less involved. And like none of my boyfriends understood what was going on. How could you? It's Mm -hmm. like, they just thought I was like a whiny bitch sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's really hard to explain. It's hard to explain even when you like don't have any brain fog. And then when you add the brain fog in, you're like, I don't even have the words. And there's this huge, it, there's this huge mismatch. And I think even, you know, for people now who I meet now, you know, when that's such a big part of your life and there are people who know me just as I am now. And it's hard for me to articulate, like, I want them to understand that part of my life. That's and interesting. I'm like, I'm like, I, it's hard for me to even explain, explain to them, right. If they didn't know me during that time. And still, like you said, like, absolutely. I mean, I was like dealing with PTSD from it. Like it, it can be very, very intense. Um, and there are just a lot of different angles that, you know, people don't think about, but I think it is very, it's been fascinating for me, um, with like my current boyfriend now, because I'm like, this was, you know, it felt like 75% of my life for so long. And then a new person comes in and doesn't know you as that person, as that sick person at all. And then it's like, how do you explain to someone, you know, what that was like? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to find the words, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know about you, but I look back at that period of my life and the relationships, like I was in a lot of really unhealthy relationships, both like, I think some friendships, but really mainly with men, I was engaged to someone that was like, super toxic and uh, emotionally manipulative. And I I just, but I, I was so afraid of being alone. Mm. And then my little brother passed away, like right as I was starting treatment. So it, it's just so hard. Like, it's hard because you don't see yourself as that person anymore either, but it is a part of you. And 
I think everybody goes through this in some way. Like when we have things that we're working to overcome, there's this term, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called post-traumatic growth. Have you heard mm-hmm. of it? Mm-hmm. People call it like PTG for short, but it's this concept out of positive psychology that says like, that there's this concept of post-traumatic growth that after trauma, we can actually massively grow Mm -hmm. and that our trauma can be the thing that grows us, can be the thing that, you know, expands us or gives our life purpose or um, has us kind of like recreate ourselves, right? That's why you'll hear people say, I was listening to a TED talk the other day and this one was talking about like having a brain tumor and she's like, was talking about all the gifts that it gave her. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I I wouldn't, even though it was so, so difficult, I wouldn't have it any other way because it develops you into this like different person, you know, where you don't see the world the same way. I mean, I have so much empathy. I think the biggest gift that I've gotten is that, is empathy. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and you know this as a coach and it's such an important skill as a coach, which is like, hearing things through different lenses. So if like, because you have had so many experiences with your own health, when someone comes to you and they say like, I'm lacking energy or um, I've tried this, 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 like you're also reading between the lines. Like, you know, that like lacking energy means like they also probably don't want to have sex. And like, that's like fucking with their confidence or like they're having trouble at work or, you know, that if they've tried all these doctors that like the doctors might have like been, you know, denying them things and they might feel like they've been gaslighted. Like it's all these mm-hmm. different things. And then what happens? Like someone loses confidence in their self. They like stop trusting themselves. So it makes you so empathetic and you're able to see all these other layers mm-hmm. that someone who hasn't gone through what you've gone through just can't access. Yeah. Well, I was just listening to someone the other day who, oh, I forgot her name, but she, her whole thing is that she believes that Everybody who has been diagnosed, like people who struggle with Lyme disease are the most intuitive people on the planet because it forces you to turn inward, understand your body in a whole new way and like just explore different aspects of the psyche, like this world that like going on than other people don't because they mm-hmm. haven't been forced to kind of tune in and explore all of those different lenses, so to speak. Um, and I think I thought that was really interesting. And yeah, I, I do notice that with, you know, a lot of, I mean, Lyme, a lot of just chronic illnesses, invisible illnesses, um, it, it does give you so many gifts. And it, I think, you know, it forces you to tune in to yourself and think about things in a different way, like for, for a greater purpose. And I mean, I totally connect with that. Like I wouldn't change. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the career I have had I not, you know, gone through that um, or met so many incredible people. So yeah. I think, you know, it serves us in, in many ways. I I wanted to ask what, do you mind sharing more about what happened with that engagement? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was engaged. I got engaged. I got diagnosed with Lyme January, 2014. I got engaged December, 2014. Um, it was a man that I had met through my coach training program and it just was, it just was so bad. Like the whole thing is so bad. Like he was married, had two kids. He left his wife. I just was like, I I sound like such a, like not smart person when I tell this story, but you have to understand that 
I was chronically sick and had been for 10 years and just had gotten diagnosed and was going through rigorous treatment where I was being put on, you know, 15, like I, I was taking like 30 pills a day between like 15 antibiotics, antidepressants that they had me on, um, you know, Neurontin for body pain, and then like so many supplements. So I'm like, you know, just like chugging like huge handfuls of meds every single day. I'm going through that. I'm like terrified of being alone. Then my brother starts to like really, really struggle. And he had been struggling for a few years, my youngest brother. And he's like in and out of rehab. And so I'm sick. My brother's obviously really sick as well. And I just don't, I don't feel like I have a lot of support. At the same time, I'm, I have a full-time job. I'm running Whole Glow, which was my spray tanning company. And I'm starting my coaching practice. I mean, it's just sort of bizarre. Like on the outside, I kind of had it all together. I was starting a second company. I, I was making good money. I had just bought a condo. Like all this great stuff was happening. And then to be completely honest, he presented me with a seven carat diamond ring. Like he just was over the top, like mm -hmm. over the top, over the top. Like let's fly to Paris first class for Valentine's day, you know, Valentino bat, like just gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts. But the thing was we would get in these huge blowout fights and um, then there would always be these like ridiculous, like huge bouquets of flowers or like, shoe like designer shoes as like makeup gifts and i didn't realize like i had to go through like this intense counseling afterwards and i didn't realize that like this is like the cycle of abuse that there's like you know god i don't remember what the actual steps of the cycle are but there's like this build up and then like things explode and then there's like the the repairing and you know making up phase and then you go back into the honeymoon phase and it just was like i was caught up in this cycle Mm -hmm. And so, um, he kind of involved himself in, in my business and told me that if we were getting engaged, then he had to have ownership in my company because we were going to be married. And that was what partnership was. And I just was like letting myself be manipulated. You know, I mean, I, I very much feel like I was taken advantage of and I don't feel like I was my full self back then. But at the same time, like I let this person into my life. So I, I, I think I was weak and I was vulnerable and I was going through a lot of different things. And I just um, attracted, you know, a, a really, really unhealthy situation into my life. But I thought, you know, we, we broke up. He ended up committing himself to the psych ward where he called me and broke up with me. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. <laughs> this is this is interesting. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, wait, wait. So he broke up with you after he committed himself to the psych ward? Yes. So what was that conversation like? Oh my god, I detail it all in my book, but basically he was like um he called me and left me a message and was like <laughs> you know Oh, God, it's like such a crazy story. I mean, so he had stayed out at a friend's house the night before, calls me at, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning and is like in tears um, telling me that he's driving himself to the psych ward. He had 
a few days prior, this was not my plan for this podcast. A few days prior, he had told me, he had told me that he thought I was having mental affairs. Okay. So, so like I, I, later, my therapist, we were we were seeing a couples therapist because I was like engaged mm-hmm. and I was like committed, and I was so caught up in um, dysfunction, like my body was dysfunctioning. My, my family unit was dysfunctional because my brother was malfunctioning because he was, you know, an, an addict at the time. So everything around me was super dysfunctional. So then the fact that my relationship was also dysfunctional just me- made sense because everything was dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So I just thought my job was to try to deal with all the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And so with my ex, I... I was just trying to work with it. Like, I just was like, I don't know who, but one of us decided to go to couples therapy. And later after the breakup happened, after the the psych ward and everything happened, uh, she told me, she's like, he's, he's borderline, you know, that's, he's, he presents as borderline and borderline personality disorder is, um, you know, it's a tough one if you're in a relationship with that person. And I'm, I'm sure it's tough to have that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I haven't had any communication or relationship with him since I saw him in court. I had a restraining order. Like I, once I kind of woke up, mm-hmm. which was when he called me from the psych ward and I was like, my fiance is calling me to break up with me from the psych ward. Like Katie, first of all, I felt this immense sense of relief. As soon as he was like, we're over, he had left me a message, mm-hmm. but but he's like, I'm in the psych ward and you're not picking up your phone. And I, I felt this, this immense sense of relief. And then from there, I just like decided I needed to rebuild my life. Yeah. I mean, you hit certain rock bottoms in life where you're like, that's the bottom. Like that's gotta be the bottom. Like I'm going to decide that that's my lowest low because I can't go any lower than that. Mm-hmm. When you were with him, how long, how long, how long were you with him? This is so interesting. Less than a year. Less than a year. And during that time were your friends and family, like, did they, were they supportive? Were they not? Like, what was their take on him? Did they know? Yeah, they all knew. Mm -hmm. Um, they were, they were supportive-ish. They were very Guarded. I lost a lot of people during that time, I think, mm. because a lot of people thought he was, you know, not okay. Mm. I, I don't know what else to say except for that my whole life was up, you know, like it was just all yeah. up in the air. It was all so. I think a lot of people listening can relate to this. It's not going to be the, like, it's not the same story, but there are a lot of people who like, you know, they're in a relationship. Um, and I think, I think, you know, everybody navigates situations like this in a different way and it can help, um, you know, kind of to hear your thought process, I think looking back and like, you know, and how you rebuilt after that. My thought process was just like, don't be alone. Mm. Like, like, and and hold on and try to survive. I was mm-hmm. I, I was losing my body. I mean, I really thought I was gonna die at a very young age, the way that my health was going. 
my brother was dying. Like I didn't know it, but like, I, I don't know, for those of you who have had a loved one who struggles with addiction, like you're just waiting for the phone call. And then mm -hmm. one day I did get the phone call and, and my ex, the one I was engaged to was there when I got the mm -hmm. phone call and he was there when we buried my brother and he was there. So like it, it, it then became like trauma bonding where like it didn't matter whether or not he was the best person for me or whether or not he was really helping me or hurting me. It was like, I just was so afraid of being alone and he had been there, right? So mm -hmm. just like you were talking a few minutes ago about meeting new people, be, having like a new boyfriend or partner or whoever, and trying to explain what you've been through in the past. And they're just like, I don't get it. That's not who you are today. And it's like, I so badly like, didn't want to lose anything because I was already losing so much. I was so terrified of being alone. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, do I wish I had been strong enough to just like end the relationship or God, not even get into the relationship? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Like it, it, it was really, really, really hard to bounce back from that. But it is what it is and it was what it was. And I've still been able to grow a really successful business and buy a second house. And uh, now I'm in a really great, healthy relationship. And, um, you know, my, my other brother just had a son. So I have a nephew and there's like new life in our family. And I don't know, man, I, I think I kind of had this trifecta of like death, disease and, you know, gosh, uh, what do you even call it? Toxic breakup, <laughs> which I think a lot of, of, of very empathic, intuitive, sensitive women experience. I mean, mm -hmm. I've read articles about how the more intuitive you are, the more likely you are to attract a narcissist. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think like, I, I talked to so many people who have the experience of you know they they had a partner who was with them through all of the tough shit they're like they they have been with me through all of this right and um like to your point it, it does really bond you and so then sometimes you know when you grow and change like um for people listening it can be confusing of like you know am, do i still should i still be in this relationship or was it just because i feel like i i should stay in it because they were there for me when i needed them um, you know, there's a lot of dynamics, but I mean, I'm sure it made you very strong, you know, like rebuilding after that. What was that process like for you? Well, I want to say one thing, just kind of tweeze out one more point connected to what you just said, which is, and I mentioned the term before, but like this term, this idea of trauma bonding, mm -hmm. because you speak to a lot of people who deal with illness, like whether it's physical or mental. And I mean, like, raise your hand if you've had this, the experience of you're going through something, you have a, a close friend who's also going through something, and then you start to get better and improve and move past the thing, and they're not past it. And all of a sudden, your friendship isn't what it was. Like, it's just not working anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could be as simple as like you and your friend are single and you go out together and then you get a, you know, you start dating someone and your friend's like sort of mad at you. Yeah. Right. Like 
that's actually trauma bonding. Like you're bonding based on a traumatic experience in your life. And I believe that there's a range of trauma. I mean, you know, people could say something isn't a trauma, but if it feels like that to you, even if it's more on a micro sense, that's all that matters. Like it doesn't take a lot for us to get traumatized or feel unsafe. And if you've struggled with health, if you've struggled with your mental health, it's likely that you've had situations like that. And it's likely that you've created bonds with other people based on those things. And so the best thing is to just like not trauma bond, like not bond with people based on your lowest lows and have that be the only thing that you relate upon. But, you know, for those people who have like been to AA meetings or like gone through, you know, anything in the realm of recovery, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, you're, you're meeting people that have gone through similar things. And so I just think it's so important to always be like looking for healthy relationships and making sure that your relationships are healthy. And, um, what I will also say is that you can evolve a relationship. So if you met someone based upon a struggle or you were both struggling when you met and you consciously decide like, I don't want that to be the only basis for our connection, the only relationship where like all we do when we're together is complain or all we do is talk about our symptoms or all we do is complain about, you know, our, our, how we grew up, our family dynamics or whatever, like you get to change it and you get to say like moving forward, this is how I want our relationship to look moving forward. I'm really committed to having a healthy relationship where like, you know, we do healthy things together or we set goals or whatever, you know, whatever it might look like, because, um, we get, we patterns get really ingrained really quickly. And coaching is all about, you know, rewriting and recreating ways of, of operating and ways of being. But I I just think that's important to take note of. No, it really is. And like, I mean, to bring it back to illness, for example, and I see this play out within it for me too, like parents in the child or like siblings or roommates or, you know, friends when they're always kind of reinforcing that you're sick, I think it keeps you sick longer, right? It's like, are you okay? Oh, like, are, how are you feeling today? Do you need to do this for your health? Do you, it's like, it's just reinforcing it more and more and like making them feel sick. Right. Um, and I think it, it, it keeps them in that mindset longer, which we, we know affects the physical health. Um, and so I think it can, uh, it affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So no, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that point. I know for me working with clients who have had a chronic illness, like for them to explore their relationship, their different relationships and how people talk to them. And like, is it just continuing the pattern of making you feel like you're sick and you need help and you're weak, right? Versus to your point, how can we change the language here where it's empowering and we're not just talking about being sick all the time? Yeah. I'd like to say something about that. Mm -hmm. So for me, and if if this connects for you, great. But for me, what I, what, what I experienced was that being sick had become a huge part of my identity. Mm -hmm. And when you're sick for five years or 10 years or a year or whatever, like, you know, it it just can get, it it can really become how you self-identify. And I identified as being a sick person. I did not identify as being a healthy person. And so one day 
I was sitting in the car outside my parents' house and it was, I remember it was pouring, pouring rain. And I just, I, I, I was having this sort of like breakdown moment where like the therapy wasn't working enough. The doctors I was seeing for Lyme weren't working enough. Like, and I was at a low and I was like feeling really, really, really low. I had just gone to the ER because I had like serotonin syndrome from like medications improperly reacting. And I just was like, why am I still struggling? Like I can solve so many things. Why can't I solve this for myself? And I was sort of like asking God or the universe or like, I just was like asking, you know, and there was, I heard something back and people always tell these stories of like, God spoke to me or whatever, but like, I don't know if it was my higher self or what, but I just kept saying like, why, like, why am I not better? Why, why, why? And the thing that I heard back was you haven't decided yet. And I was like, you know, before I was like, oh, there's like a voice in my head. I was like, I haven't decided what, like I was responding to it, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not crazy. And so I'm like, haven't decided what? And it was like, you haven't decided that you're going to, to be well, that you're going to stay. And I realized in that moment that I was like very one foot in, one foot out with my own life. Like on, on one hand, I had this vision of myself, like speaking and teaching and finishing my book and having babies and getting married and like living this whole life that I had always sort of envisioned and and seen flashes of. But on the other hand, in my day to day, I was sort of like in this whole place of like, God, if like, I'm not supposed to be here then like, you know, I can surrender to that. I can accept it. Like I was just like one foot in, one foot out. And and the thing I realized, Christina, was that I had never took taken the time to envision myself as a healthy person. And in the coaching world, we talk a lot about like manifesting. And like one of the big laws of manifesting is like envisioning the thing that you want to create. And I was like working towards health and like seeing all these doctors but I literally hadn't sat and like closed my eyes and envisioned what it would be like to like play tennis again and like to be running around with kids and to be traveling and like have the sustenance to like get on planes and stay in random hotels. And I just, I hadn't ever sat down and envisioned that. So if you're struggling with your health, like, and you're going from doctor to doctor or coach to coach or or you're doing all this research and you can't hack it. Like I would, I would urge you to just sit down with yourself for a few minutes and really envision yourself as a healthy person and see if you can even get there. Because once I realized this and I tried to do it, I couldn't even visualize it. I couldn't even see, you hear people talk about this with like their weight a lot where like they really identify as being a heavier person and they like want to lose weight and they go on diets, but like their identity is so wrapped up in their weight and like in being the fat girl or however people labeled them that like they're, they're subconsciously afraid to lose the thing. And that's partially why like they, it, they're not doing, it's not happening because there's part of them that feels really attached to that identity. I was really attached to the identity of being sick. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see in like my choices of men and the patterns in my life that like I was, I was choosing things that were making me sicker or that were distracting me so much because they had so many things going on 
that I wasn't even able to focus fully on my own wellness or my own recovery. So I just really urge you to like think about like if the, if the health is something that you say that you desire, can you really get your full self around that desire? Can you envision or start to practice envisioning a world where health, ultimate health, that's what it was for me. I said, I want to reach my ultimate health and where ultimate health exists for you. I, I love that. And it is so important. And I, I had a very similar realization. It kind of kicks you in the butt a little bit. Um, I'm curious after, you know, after hearing that, feeling that, like, how did you start to change your life? Um, besides just the visualization, like visualizing, right. But I'm sure that translated into changing your behavior. Yeah. I mean, I started visualizing it. It was really like, I just was like, probably for the next few days, like as I was going to sleep, like literally trying to see myself be healthy, like literally, cause I was like living with my, I was in my late twenties, like living with my parents. I, I was 20, I was 29 mm. and I was living with my parents. I owned a, a separate house, but I had moved in with them temporarily to like try to figure out what the hell was going on. And, you know, could I see myself like, like living on my own again? Could I see myself being in a healthy relationship? Could I see myself play? I was very athletic growing up. So could I see myself playing sports again and being really truly an athlete again? Could I see myself like just feeling good in my body? Like I had gained weight. Like, could I see myself slimming back down and liking the way that I look like, and so it just became this practice of like, when I was falling asleep, trying to envision myself, like that version of myself to like, see if she even existed in the ethers. Like, was mm -hmm. there the possibility of coaching always asks us, is it possible? Right. Is it possible? Is it possible? I know dating is hard, but is it possible that it could be easy? Is it possible that there's a person out there for you? You know, I know that, that loss is difficult, but is it possible that you could heal from this? Is it possible that, that you could have a relationship with the person who's passed even while they're on the other side? I know that 30 doctors have told you you can't get better, but is it possible that there's one, that 31 would have the answer? And that was what I leaned on. Mm, yeah, I love that. And then, so how soon after that did you um, start IGC? Oh, IGC was going. Oh, it was already going. So this was in the middle of it. Yes. So how were you managing that? I had a a partner. Well, she ended up being a business partner, but I had someone involved in my business from the beginning who had been a client of mine. And when I started the company in 2015, I asked her if she wanted to come on board as a mentor coach. I just knew I was going to need help supporting people. And I asked, I don't know, many people to come on. We had a team of like 15 people that were like mentor coaches, but you know, people moved on and did different things or it just wasn't a match anymore. But Liv stayed. <laughs> Liv stayed year after year after year. And so she like, you know, eventually uh, I when I once I got my ex out of the company, I decided to have us, you know, to propose being partners in a bigger way. And I, there was a point in 2017 where all this was really crazy, where I sort of had that breakdown I was just talking about in the car, where I realized I was 
there was a part of me that still wanted to be sick or that felt very comfortable being sick, I decided to go through this intensive therapy program. And while I was in the intensive therapy program, I got off this wait list. I was supposed to be on an uh, eight-month wait list, eight or nine-month wait list for this doctor. And I ended up getting off the wait list in eight weeks. And at the time, so that I could do all of this, I had asked Liv if she would cover for me for a month. I said, I need, I just need a month. And she was like, okay, like, you know, I hope you come back. (laughs) But like, you know, I think the way to build when you're in crisis or when you're struggling is by having support. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a coach or a business partner or a VA or an, an OBM, an online business manager, um, or, you know, your, maybe your partner, your, your husband or your wife, it would be a, um, a partner for you, but you need support Mm -hmm. and you're always going to need support. As I look at like the different levels of my life and like what I want to have and who I want to be. And when I ask students, like we do this future you exercise where it's like, okay, look at the future you who has what you want to have and think about like, well, what else exists in that reality? So if I think about the me that's like making, you know, multi, multi millions and is flying around like to go to a speaking engagement and has three kids, what else exists in that scenario? And often it's like nannies (laughs) and, you know, more team and support. We mainly work with women, but like, or those who identify as women, but if, if we're speaking to, um, you know, a, a woman, I, I think often the thing that's needed in order for her to get to that next level is support. Mm-hmm. It's more support and it's the right support. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the most common things holding people back. Like they don't, they don't want to outsource. They don't want to ask for help. Like no matter who that's from, I definitely struggled with that for a long time. And then as soon as you just like open that up and allow people to help you, like everything, everything can move forward. And I know for me, I'm just curious if there's anything in your daily life or with business that um, you implement certain boundaries you have, like, so that you protect your health and also are able to build and grow and make it sustainable. Like, you know, for me, it it kind of changed the way um, I go through my daily life and my boundaries with certain people. So I don't know if there's anything that comes up for you around that. Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, I definitely think boundaries are a huge thing. I, I feel like I've just learned boundaries in like my early 30s. And it's one thing to know your boundaries. It's a whole nother thing to actually exercise them and set them, you know. Um, but I think that's really important. Just tuning in and understanding like when something's truly a yes and when something's truly a no. And when something's, I'm not sure yet, Mm -hmm. like you actually get to say, you know what? I'm not sure yet. Or I'm going to revisit that on this date. Or um, we don't have to rush ourselves to make decisions. I think also when I was younger and when I was going through so many things, I felt like such a sense of urgency. And as I've unpacked that, I I realized it was because I wasn't sure how long I was going to have. Like, I I didn't know if I was going, I was like afraid of dying. Like I really like wasn't, 
I, I didn't feel like I could trust my body to like get me through this life. If you have chronic illness, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you probably think I sound like a total weirdo. So it's fine either way. But now that I can trust my body, look, life is full of surprises. We know that, right? But but I feel like one, I've gone through so much and recovered from so much. Two, I know how to build in the midst of chaos, which is a great skill set. And three, I actually now believe that I have more time than mm-hmm. I believed that I had before. So I can build at a different pace. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of why I was like, I tell this, uh, this story all the time when I'm like, teaching manifesting in no, not in as much detail as I told you today, Christina, but um, I always say like, when I was engaged, like, the reason I attracted the wrong relationship in large part was because I was like, I wanted to get engaged. I wasn't like, let me be with the right person or like, I'm looking for my soulmate or like, I really want to build a relationship that has these qualities. I just was focused on getting engaged. Like that was the thing I was trying to manifest. And I did, but I manifested it with the wrong person. Cause a lot of times like we'll say that we want something and we'll either get it, but we'll get it in a weird way where it's like, Ooh, I didn't want it like that, you know, or, uh, we'll get it very briefly and then it'll go away. Well, how do you actually manifest things or attracted to your life? Things that stay. And I think part of that is about not rushing, Mm. you know, you can't rush it. Everything. I don't know why everything feels like rush, rush, rush. And I think that like, the coronavirus maybe has also uh, kind of broken up this pattern for a lot of people, like interrupted the pattern where a lot of us were living on autopilot, um, at least in certain areas of our lives. But because we had to operate differently with the coronavirus, some of that patterning got broken up where we started to think like, wait, do I actually want to do that? Mm -hmm. Lots, lots of learning lessons from having to slow down a little bit, which I think are good, but no, I love all that. And I mean, I talk about manifestation a lot. I'm curious, are there any other, um, big blocks you find come up often with your clients for why they're not able to manifest in what they want? Yeah. I teach just a five-step process, process for manifesting, which is see, feel, be, do, have. Most people can see, which is visioning it. Most people can feel like that's really uh, common rhetoric in, in this world now is like that you have to feel the feelings of having it, but the being and the doing is where people get the most tripped up. And so what we do is we have people look at like, what is your vision? So if you're, you're looking at what you want to manifest in the next year, then that's like, you're seeing it, right? You're visioning it. Then what will it feel like to have those things? But then who do you need to be? Like there's this shift of I'm actually evolving and I'm actually becoming a different person Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't think about. When you say it, it makes sense. Like I'm not who I was yesterday. I'm certainly not who I was five years ago. That's why it's so hard for me to like, it's so cringy for me to even talk about this like broken engagement because that Katie feels so different from Katie today. Like and I don't want to be her anymore because I've worked so hard to like move past that. Can I love her and, and accept her and forgive her? Sure. But do I want to trade places with her? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so fast, like, so if that was five years ago, 
Now I have to fast forward five years from now and think about like, okay, it's going to be different, right? Hopefully it won't be so cringy, but the Katie in five years is going to be like, oh my God, 32 year old version of Katie. Like, whoa, she like did not know this and she did not know this. And so my job as a manifester, and this is where I see people mess up, but also how I, where I see people easily improve when they pay attention to it is fast forwarding and, and, and projecting into the future and saying, who do I need to become? Like if I want to have a Porsche or if I want to have, a, you know, $5 million in the bank, or if I want to have three kids or I want, who do I need to become to have all of those things? Mm-hmm. You know, or whatever it is. I'm just like throwing out like really uh, kind of basic surface level goals, but not that like having kids a surface level, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I see that too, though, because it's like, and I think, cause you said do, and that's the other thing. I think people think like you take inspired action, like you have to you do stuff. Right. And I think people, some people think manifesting is just sitting on a pillow meditating and then everything falls in their lap. I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta do some stuff. And it's not only what do you need to do today to like move the, the needle? It's like, what would, what would the, I'll just use myself. What would the version mm-hmm. of Katie who's, I always, I always use age. So if I'm looking five years out for me, it helps to say like, okay, that's 37. The version of me that's 37 that has one or two kids that, you know, is at this level in her career and making this much money and spending her days this way, what would she be doing? Like, what would she be doing? Not even just what do I need to try to get there, but what would she be doing? Mm -hmm. Like, how would she be living her life? Because I need to start to look at like the future version of me and what there's knowledge that she has Mm -hmm. that could help inform how I make decisions today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I'm sure people listening are like, hmm. Yeah, that's where I get I get blocked up. So I think that's super helpful. Um, thank you for sharing that. And I think you like your story is so inspiring, so incredible. Um, everything you've built, I just think is so amazing. And I really appreciate you sharing so much of your story today. I know a lot of people will really connect with this and will resonate. So thank you. And I know people are going to um, you know, want to learn more from you. What's what's coming up next for you? What are you What are you working on? Anything new? Well, I have a book coming out December 1st. It's called At Least You Look Good. (laughs) And um, it's a self-help memoir. It has a lot of the stories that I've been telling today, but goes in deeper and looks at how you can apply the lessons to your actual life. But along the way, people, and this is a big chronic illness thing too, but like people were like, they didn't understand that I was sick. Like they were like, but you look really good. And I'm like, it's not about looking good. It's about how yeah. I feel. Yeah. Like I can't even keep a sentence straight. <laughs> Tell me that. Um, amazing. Well, I'm super excited for that book and for people who want to connect further, learn more from you, where they can, where can they connect with you? Yeah. You can come to our Instagram, which mine is at it's Katie DePaula or our company, which is at Inner Glow Circle. And if you're looking to learn more about yourself and uh, dig deeper into finding your own purpose and paving your own way, we have a really great assessment on our website that's free. That's called the Find Your Purpose Assessment. And you can find that at innerglowcircle.com slash purpose. 
Okay, perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes so people can just click. And thank you again, Katie, so much. I love chatting with you. So thank you. Thank you, Christina, for having me. You really got me to dig deep. Huge thank you to Katie for coming on the podcast and getting so real and vulnerable and sharing it all. I had so much fun chatting with her. If you want more from her, head to innerglowcircle.com and you can find her on Instagram at it's Katie DePaola. That's going to be it for today's episode. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Don't forget that if you want exclusive behind the scenes access to content related to the podcast and my life, you can request to follow my private Instagram page, Wellness Realness Crew. All you have to do to get access to that page is DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review. And when I get that in the DMs of Wellness Realness Crew, plus your request to follow, then you will be granted access to the private page. And as always, you can connect with other listeners of the show on our free Facebook page, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks again for being here. And I will chat with you again next episode.